0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching.
1: If you are new to Awaken, we have been doing, uh, this is one of my favorite series that we do all year round. Uh, and typically we've called it the Advent Art Series. And we've asked artists and writers in our community to take a Sunday or volunteer to be a part of a Sunday and create Uh, around a theme or write, uh, offer a piece around a particular theme, and this year instead of doing one word per week, we've actually just kind of said the whole experience of Advent, um, create or write around themes of waiting and of longing and of anticipation, Uh, and so uh, I'm going to invite Deanne and then Lynn uh, is going to read, Deanne is an artist and she's going to share a little bit about her piece and then Lynn will come and read her piece, so if you would,
2: welcome Deanne Parks. Good morning. I'm a visual artist. That's my full-time gig. I moved into my studio in Lower Town in 2000. It's where I meet with God to create art on themes of joy and hope and community. Sometimes I paint Bible stories, and other times I create work that speaks to living a Christ-like life. What I do not do is plan my paintings. I show up in my studio, and I pray, I put on Christian singer-songwriter music. Sarah Groves is nice. (laughs) I listen to sermon podcasts, anything to get my head out of the way so God can do what God needs to do on the canvas. So I push the paint around, and I listen to waiting for a word from God. It might be a Bible verse. It might be a phrase. And I quickly pick up index cards that are on my easel, and I write that down, and then I go right back to my painting. Lower Town has changed a lot in the last 15 years. I used to look out my window over the dumpster in the loading dock and I'd see homeless people collecting aluminum cans, eating pizza out of old boxes. Sometimes they'd be sharing a bottle on the loading dock out of a brown paper bag. Now when I look out that window, I see large, happy, well-dressed wedding parties using the area as a photo shoot. Union Depot has been refurbished and opened up, and when light rail started coming down 4th Street and stopped right in front of my studio building, I knew it was just a matter of time before the rent started inching up. I was painting in my studio and worrying about these things when I heard God clearly say to me, keep your mind on things above. Do not worry about things on the earth. Don't worry because I know the plans I have for you. When I was worrying about those things, and I heard that, that was back in 2013, and I was working on this painting. It's titled, The Build-Up of Lower Town. A couple of weeks ago, I was informed that my studio building has been sold to a developer. The rent won't be going up. I'll be going out. Making room for a brew pub. I have to be out by May 1st. By that time, I will have spent more than 16 years co-creating with God in a space that I consider to be sacred. It's a sanctuary for me. And I have no idea where I will go or what I will do. So I'm waiting, anticipating, longing for a word from God, giving me direction for my future.
0: During a difficult transition, I was inspired with the idea that the Holy Spirit was hovering over life's deep waters, causing a disturbance within the sea. Somehow, Jesus would come to me. Somehow, I would learn to breathe in a new rhythm. The rocks would cry out their celebrations as waters crashed through them, dispensing showers of glittering jewels. Stones and pebbles would be soothed by ripples upon the shore before the spirit retired into the deep. Relief during that time was the experience of having God envelop me while standing at the edge of a transitioning tide. These thoughts inspired a poem and a musical composition called Relief. Relief. Unsteady rhythms under blue, beneath uncertain cry of seagulls circling in air fragrant and fresh with freedom, breathing unbridled over white horses alive with anticipation, eager to carry sun-kissed blessings, joyously crashing on timeless rocks, waves release their diamonds A lull, thunderous celebrations resound. Washing pebbles and shells ashore, distance whispers soft harmonies. Wistful, her sigh returned to the deep. Friends,
1: if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And uh, we will begin... Our Advent series entitled This Great Light, Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, says uh, that verse that you heard, nevertheless, uh, a people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, Hopefully you ate enough um, Thanksgiving turkey and mashed potatoes to keep you warm this morning at Awaken, Um, but... uh, Advent is a, uh, such a beautiful season, such a, a wonderful time of year. Uh, if you didn't know, the, the season of Advent, and the word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, it means coming, and um, it's the beginning of the liturgical year for the, for the Western Church. So if you didn't know anything about this, there's a calendar year uh, that actually begins with Advent, the first Sunday after Easter, or said differently, the four Sundays before Christmas, we celebrate this season of Advent. Advent. And uh, Advent, actually, it it wasn't always what we know it as. In the 4th and 5th century, um, in Spain, we have records of uh, Christians who were preparing for Christmas, uh, not preparing for Christmas, but were actually preparing for Epiphany, which is the next season of the church calendar, celebrating a number of events that happened in Jesus' life, including the wedding at Cana, uh, 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 his baptism, and the visit from the Magi. Originally, Advent was uh, was set aside as an opportunity for new believers who were going to be baptized into the church to sort of be welcomed into the community. So the believers would fast for 40 days before this event um, in sort of preparation for what was about to happen. Uh, later in the 6th century in Rome, we find the first evidence of Christians who were connecting Advent to Advent. Uh, to the coming of Jesus, but it wasn't actually the coming of Jesus at Christmas. It was the, the, the second coming of Jesus that we read about in Revelation. So it's not until like the Middle Ages that we find Christians who were celebrating Advent in the way that we do or the way that we do now, which is this season of preparation and waiting for what's about to come that we know as Christmas. So Advent is about the coming of Jesus, it's about anticipating something that's not yet here. It's about Waiting, longing, desire, yearning, and right in the middle of it is this idea of darkness. So I want to talk about darkness this morning. I want to spend a little bit of time here um, so it's intended to be a real encourager. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But seriously, right in the middle of Advent is darkness. Did you know that December 21st is the the, the shortest day of the year? It's called the winter solstice. Um, So, and you you all know this, many of you, you drive to work uh, in the morning and it's dark, and then you come home at night and it's dark, which I find just terribly depressing. I don't know about you, but that's just a, it's a difficult time of year, Um, but it's dark. And what I find so fascinating about it, when you think about this very close to, or or possibly on the darkest day of the calendar year, depending on when you put Jesus' actual birth, Very close to or possibly on the darkest day of the calendar year comes the brightest light that humanity has ever known. The word of God become flesh. The presence of the living God in human form, Jesus. So today I want to talk a little bit about darkness. I want to talk about the darkness that I think we've all experienced in our lives. I want to talk about the darkness that we often fear and run away from. And I want to invite us to consider the possibility of looking at and experiencing darkness in a different way. Because I think for many of us, when we think of darkness, we have an immediate response, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But I want to see if we can't offer the possibility of a, of a shift, a perspective changer, to think about and experience darkness differently. Because the, our perspective changes everything. Um, have you, do you guys remember the show Notting Hill? Do you remember the, the, the movie Notting Notting Hill. Hugh Grant, it's a great little love story, one of our favorites. There's this line, uh, this part in the movie where uh, Julia Roberts, who's actually a movie star in the movie, that's an interesting one, right? Uh, She plays a movie star in the movie, and she comes and, and spends the night at this guy's house, which is neither here nor there. Either way, uh, they wake up in the morning, and someone has tipped off the paparazzi and all the, the press that, that uh, this gal, Anna something or other, has spent the night in Notting Hill at the house with the blue door. So they're all waiting for her and she opens the door in the morning to get the paper, and there are all of the, the press, and they're snapping photos, and they're doing this, you know, what they do. And she comes back in, and she's just flipping out and saying that she regrets this decision. It's the worst decision she's ever made, and poor Hugh Grant. He's like, well, I, I rather liked it. I rather had a good time. I'd like to sort of keep this memory. Um, So how about just a little bit of perspective, he says. And she says, our perspectives are a little bit different. Because these photos will never die. They will always be here. Whenever anyone wants them, they can find them. So for you, it'll become, you know, today's news becomes tomorrow's trash. But for me, they live on forever. So our perspectives are a little bit different, right? When you change the perspective of something, often you see it differently. So that's what I want to try to do this morning in our time as we think about Advent, and darkness. And to do so, I want to look at the scriptures and the way in which the scripture speaks about darkness, all the way in the beginning and then all the way at the end. So we're doing bookends here, friends. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis 1, I'll ask you to stand and we'll read just the first, um, actually it'll be the first five verses, which I'm not sure uh, I I said in my notes, which they make slides for. Only the first two verses, I think, will be on the screen. But follow along if you have it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness, he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning in uh, this place, and we begin this journey of Advent, I pray that we would resist the temptation to rush too quickly to to Christmas. I pray that you would give us the courage to walk through um, at the pace that we need to walk through whatever it is that you invite us to, God. And so this morning, as we consider darkness uh, and what that means and what it's like to experience that, I pray that you might speak to us. Holy Spirit, that you might have a word or an image, um, an invitation to us to come closer, to go deeper, uh, further into who you are, God. So we give you this time and ask that you would be with us, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Uh, If you're standing in the back, there are a few seats up here. You're welcome to make your way or hang tight, whatever you'd like. Um, So just a couple of thoughts I want to offer this morning. First, maybe I would say it this way. Uh, Darkness isn't evil, it's just darkness. Or darkness isn't always evil, it's just darkness. Uh, in a hole in the ground, there once lived a hobbit. You guys know this book? Yeah. Uh, there, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. So the beginning of a story is absolutely essential for what follows. In all great literature, if you look at the beginning of a story, it will give you clues and cues as to what's to come and how it will play out. And you can often read the story and then go back to the beginning and be like, oh, yeah, you can see things that end up playing out. And I would submit that Scripture is no different in that case. So when the Scriptures open and the first line out of them is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We have a very important sentence for the rest of the story and how it will play out. What I find so fascinating in the beginning of the scriptures is you have a few key elements, right? You have this formlessness. In Hebrew, it's tohu vavohu. Sort of the formless, empty void. And you have the formlessness, you have water, you have darkness, and you have the Spirit of God hovering. What's not said at any point in the story, in the poem is that darkness is evil or darkness equals evil or sin i think sometimes when we think of darkness and we think about maybe the darkness that we've experienced in our own lives we immediately go to sort of evil or sin or something that we've that was caused and now we sort of experience the repercussions of and it's no wonder that we do that i mean often movies you know in movies the darkness precedes the evil or the sinister character that comes out of the out of the shadows and something terrible happens and so It it, it makes sense that we would automatically go there. But sometimes darkness in our lives isn't the result of sin or evil. Sometimes darkness is just darkness. Sometimes it's the result of depression. Or it's the result of abuse that one has suffered. Uh, Sometimes it's a dead-end job that's just going nowhere. And this cloud begins to hang over you. Uh, sometimes it's a sort of slow fade of one's identity in a marriage or as a parent. Whew. <laughs> Where all of a sudden you look over and you're like, who am I? Or who are you? Or who are these people running around? Uh, <laughs> dark. can get really dark. It can be very bright. It can be very beautiful also. But it can be really dark. Sometimes it's mental illness or the loss of someone or Something. And if we were to go around the room and share, I'm sure that we would find time and time again people uh, have had experiences of darkness. I remember a season for me, uh, I was, I'd graduated from college and I had gotten my first job. And in about 18 months, I sort of became, went from really, really excited about this job and, you know, a 22 year old junior high pastor to like just this cloud of darkness that hung over me and being completely burnt out in this job that i was working and i remember like literally hanging over the side of my bed frame and just wailing like weeping to god like how do we how do i get out of this what is next and and how does this uh how does this all play out this is season of darkness now, certainly, one could argue as the scripture moves on, and I'm not trying to say that scripture doesn't do this. But sometimes darkness is connected to Hasatan, the Satan, or or the enemy in scriptures, and so I get that, right? I'm not arguing that that's not true. But I, I just want to read the text for what it is, right? And if you read Genesis one, what you find is that it's just darkness, and it's there. It's not evil. It's not sin. In fact, at the end of the poem, it remains. There was day and there was night, day one. So, can we begin with the possibility this morning that sometimes darkness is just darkness? And it's not because of something that you did or it's not because of some sin in your life, it just is. And the creation poem, notice you have darkness and then you have the Spirit of God hovering over this place. I've shared a little bit of this story, and I won't share it in, its, in, in full, but uh, I went to Israel in 2013, and before that, there was a season in my life where I remember uh, I was uh, visiting with a spiritual director for about three years, and that was kind of towards the end of it, and I remember writing in my journal and having this experience of, I felt like there was this sort of blanket over my head Like I just couldn't quite see where things were going, and I I had this desire for something to change or something to sort of break free or something to happen, and I just felt like I didn't have any answers to all of the questions of my life, and I was in this really, really bad season where I was kind of angry and bitter about something, and I don't know if you've ever been there before. St. John of the Cross wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul, and I felt like that was my experience, and it was just dark. It's not because I did something wrong or because I was suffering some consequences of something, but it just was. Notice what happens next in the poem, though. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning, the first day. So maybe first I want to offer this possibility of thinking about darkness in such a way that it doesn't equal sin or evil always, but that sometimes it's just dark. And then I would say, if you were going to read the scriptures and you were, you were going to go from Genesis and start reading and go all the way through, there seems to be this river of, of, of themes or a theme that runs through the text. You could say it this way, that God is always bringing light out of darkness. God is always bringing light out of darkness. This is what God has found doing again and again and again and again in the scriptures. In Exodus chapter nine, you have uh, Exodus chapter 10, you have the ninth plague in the story of the Exodus. And if you remember, the ninth plague is darkness, and there's darkness all over the land of Egypt, but it says that, that there's light in the homes of the Israelites, which begs a whole interesting conversation about what exactly was the light in the Israelite homes, and what is the light of day one, but that's for another day. So then you have days later, right? You have darkness all over Egypt and in the houses of the Israelites there's light. And then you find God drawing the light out of the darkness. You find God drawing the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. The story of Jonah, right? Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. He spends three days in the belly of a fish in total darkness, one would assume. I've never been inside of the belly of a fish, but I can assume that it's probably pretty dark. He spends three days there, and then God coughs him up onto the shores of Nineveh to see this great thing that God is doing in Nineveh. David, King David, is found in the back end of a cave, hiding for his life in darkness, and then is brought out into the light as the anointed king of Israel. Jesus, right? The answer is always Jesus. Jesus, of course, is buried in the earth for three days and then is resurrected into this new life. God is always bringing light out of darkness. And if you look at the end of the story in Revelation 21, if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn there. We'll read this one. Um, Excuse me, Revelation 22 Says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God, or the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be No more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light. This is the trajectory of the text. This is where the story goes, from darkness and chaos and formlessness and unknown and undefinition to clarity and light and life and fullness and flourishing seems that this is the story of the bible and this is where it's all headed. So the question i want us to ponder this morning and we're going to move into a time of prayer and a time of response. The question is this: Will you trust God with the areas of darkness in your life? Or maybe said differently, can we entrust our darkness to the one who brings light? In the text, God is found hovering over the darkness in Genesis 1. God is the one who speaks the light into existence. God is the one who draws the light out of the darkness. God is the one who nurtures the seeds and the light and makes it come forth. The question is, do we trust this God? And we come and we gather in this place every Sunday and it's all here. I'm I'm sure of it. Whatever story, like all of the, the, the experience of humanity come and gather in this place And I know that there's all kinds of experiences of God and trust of God or lack of trust of God. And I just want to pose that question this morning because I think ultimately it comes back to that question of whether or not this is telling something that's true about the nature of the world that we live in and the God who might be behind it all. Do you trust that God? Because this story is one where this God is always bringing light out of darkness, always drawing light out of darkness. Do you trust that God? Can we entrust the areas of darkness in our own lives, in our own hearts, to this God who is always found bringing light out of darkness? I'm going to invite John to come, and he's actually going to just kind of, uh, he's going to paint with music, uh, actually. We we said this morning. Um, In this last part, I want to offer two images Two metaphors for us to think about. Um, when my wife and I uh, found out that we... I, I just think that's funny. We were pregnant. <laughs> I wasn't pregnant, you know. <laughs> she. She was pregnant. I wasn't. I was certainly an active participant in the, <laughs> in, in the whole thing. But uh, when we found out that she was pregnant and we were going to be having a baby... Um, we decided uh, that we wanted to go the route of midwives for the birth of our kids. And um, if you know anything about a midwife, I want to offer at least um, these two images this morning as we think about this idea of darkness and entrusting the darkness in our own lives to the God that we find in the scriptures that we know to be true in Jesus. And I've been sitting with this image of God as a midwife. If you know anything about midwives, they they have this beautiful and sacred role. They help bring forth life that has been prepared in darkness. You think about the experience of a baby and what the womb actually is. It's this space of darkness Where life is being prepared. And the job of a midwife is to come alongside of a mom to be, a dad to be, and to hold their hands as they walk this new life into the world. And they coach and they encourage. Sometimes they take charge when necessary, but they always invite you to participate and own the process. A midwife is one who helps draw out life. What if we saw the places of darkness in our lives not as negative and shame-inducing, but as the preparation for what is about to come, as opportunities for God to bring about new beginnings? What if they became the womb of possibilities that we entrusted to God who could walk us through the birth of new things in our lives? Or what about the image of a gardener? The idea that I'm fascinated every spring that these seeds that have been sort of buried in the ground and who have endured a long winter like we do somehow like get this cue from somewhere. Every year I'm just fascinated by it. I'm blown away by it. That something somewhere whispers in the ear of the daffodil like now and it comes up out of the earth with this beauty and wonder. Every spring... How is it that the potential of a seed is only realized when it's buried in the ground? What if we saw the darkness in our own lives, whether it's the darkness of depression or of loss or of a dead-end job or a relationship or even something that maybe we participated in as the ground from which God the gardener could bring forth life from the seeds that are planted deep within us? What if these dark places became a garden that was full of potential life? That when entrusted to the right person and the right hands things begin to grow and they become waiting places periods of preparation where there's not nothing happening because that's that's not true. In the beginning in Genesis 1 the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness? Does anyone have an in-law that hovers? Like imagine that in the best possible way, the most comforting way, the most life-giving way where God is present in those moments where you look around and you'd swear nothing is happening here and only death can come and only death is ensured. Yet it's right here, in this moment, in that place, that the Spirit of God is present? And what if it wasn't something that we took shame in or guilt from, but rather we entrusted to God, the one who is always bringing light out of darkness? Would that change anything for us as we begin this journey towards Christmas? So I want to offer a time of silence where John will just continue to sort of underscore. And I want to ask ask you to consider a couple of questions. So maybe if you would, uh, close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever you want to do to kind of find a space here this morning. And I guess the first question would be, where is the darkness in your life? And again, maybe it's not the cause of something or not the result of something. It just is. But where is their darkness? And what if we approached it differently? What if this morning you were given the freedom to not move right to shame, to not move right to guilt, to not move right to what did I do to deserve this or why am I here What if you were given the permission to entrust whatever space of darkness that you found into the hands of a God who is willing and wants and desires to birth something new, to draw light out of darkness, who wants to hold your hand and walk through whatever it is you need to walk through, What if you could entrust that space into the hands of a competent and faithful and loving gardener who knows when it's time and will whisper in your ear, now, let's go. So God, for the next few moments, would you speak? Would you uh, invite us into the places of darkness in our own lives? Would you give us the courage to entrust them to you? And God, would you, in your time, begin the process of drawing light out of darkness, creating new things from from places where things haven't grown before. Would you do that for us today? Well, friends, thanks so much for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, Just a reminder, all of the wares in the uh, gallery are for sale, so stock up your stocking stuffers and support our artists. there's a wedding here this weekend. Uh, next weekend, we got to move some pews. So if you're up for moving some gigantic oak-hewn pews, find me later. Stick around. Uh, stay as long as you like. Uh, but receive this benediction, if you would.
0: Now, I'm Ed, and I am part of the prayer team. And remember that there's a prayer team of people available for you after the gathering to pray with you and for you. And I'll be right over there after the end of this gathering. Now, this benediction... May you come to know the God who hovers over the dark places. May you hear his voice when it's time to go. And may you experience the light and life of God coming from unexpected places this Advent. Grace and peace.
1: Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com. Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com
0: backslash Community. Or on Twitter at Community. See
1: you next time.